So here's what happened. A week ago, I thought I watched this movie and I got a whole bunch of notes ready. And then last night, I looked at the title again and realized I watched a completely different movie. <laughs> oh, man. If you ever encounter a movie just called Black Rose, pass yeah. on it. Cool. Uh, I can say the same about this movie, but it, it's just too damn cornball-y to like, not pass on <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking about the 1988 horror film Black Roses, which I discovered is not to be confused with the 1991 cop drama Black Rose about a bunch of murders occurring, a, a bunch of Russians in West Hollywood being killed. So they bring in a cop from Russia who looks a lot like Jean-Claude Van Damme and just has about 75% of Jean-Claude Van Damme's acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was directed by John Fasano and distributed by the Troma Team. Yay! <laughs> movie was made on a budget of somewhere between $400,000 and a million dollars, and there was no theatrical release, so it probably made about 26 bucks. <laughs> Has an audience score of 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. There are no critic reviews of the film on Rotten Tomatoes, so it has no score otherwise. As we said, it was directed by John Fasano, who's best known not as a director, but as a writer. He wrote Another 48 Hours, the sequel to the Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte film. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. He wrote two episodes of FX, the series, and this was the third film he directed following Rock and Roll Nightmare and Zombie Nightmare. Yeah, I've seen both of those. This uh, movie is the one we'll call What the Hell Did Jesse Make Me Watch This Time Nightmare. Yeah, and <laughs> no, I'm sorry about this. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good cheesy movie. I like it. Um, it's stupid. So I'm in, 100%. Yeah, hell yeah. Was written by Cindy Sorrell, who had a very short film career. Uh, she wrote on Rapid Fire, and she was an actress in Rock and Roll Nightmare and The Jitters, and did nothing after 1992. Thank God. So she did a couple things in 87, 88. She didn't do anything for several more years because, well, look at what she did to start with. Somebody gave her a chance in 92, and that was it. Yeah, the story's kind of lame. I'm not going to lie. I really liked it just because the effects. Like, this is like one of those movies where it's like the effects saved a movie, kind of. Yes. And in my mind. And here's why Creature Effects by Richard Alonzo, who is known for doing makeup work on Mr. Saturday Night, 
AI, artificial intelligence, the cat in the hat, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Avatar, and Deadpool. Yeah. So it's got this really, like, the, the effects in it really pop off the screen. The story is, like, ho-hum, boring-ass, like, recycled. Oh, yeah. 50 stuff. It's, like, it's straight out of the 50s, you know? Right. If I was going to write a screenplay, this is how it would turn out. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the creature effects, the creature effects are really good. Uh, some of the special effects are, are kind of uh, kind of kind of impressive, too, honestly. Soundtrack featuring King Cobra, Tempest, Hallow's Eve and Lizzie Borden. That's where the budget went. That's where all of the budget went. Yes. Movie stars John Martin as Matthew Morehouse. He is uh, he was a TV character actor who transitioned to soap operas. He's appeared in Dallas Archie Bunker's Place. Not many people remember that one. That was like uh, the last All in the Family spinoff where Archie bought the neighborhood bar and adopted some kid. Yeah, right before In the Heat of the Night. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. Wasn't there a series where he was a cab driver, too? I don't remember that, but I do remember Archie Bunker's place because they used to rerun on, like, USA Network. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. He also appeared on The Love Boat, TJ Hooker, Three's Company, One Life to Live, The Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. Damn, he did, like, every major 80s soap opera. Yeah, he, d- he didn't do General Hospital, but, yeah. uh, you know, he got all the rest of them. It was that mustache, man. Yeah. You're like, we need a guy with a mustache. Like, hey, I'm up here. Exactly. He had the <laughs> Tom Selleck Magnum PI mustache. Yeah. Ken Swafford as Mayor Farnsworth had been active in TV and film from 1962 until his death in 2018. Appeared in Dallas, Knott's Landing, Hardcastle and McCormick, Fame, The Wonder Years, Dynasty, Annie, Thelma and Louise. And murder, she wrote. Yeah, I love this guy. He's my favorite actor in the entire movie. The, it, it, well, in anything he plays, he's either a cop or a mayor. Yeah, or like chief of security. But the way this guy delivers his lines, and especially the character in this movie, I I, I really start laughing every time he's on the screen. It's like this his optimism. It's, I don't know what it is. Something about him, but he's funny as fuck. Oh yeah, yeah. Every and and this is where you can see where he would he'd play a good cop because it doesn't matter what anybody's upset about; it's totally not that big a deal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he just punched me in the face. Ah, uh, it's not a great face. You'll be fine. That's not you know. <laughs> you know, it kind of looks, man. You got to be happy, and you're like. <laughs> Thanks, Mayor Tom, or whatever shit, dude. Yeah. Sal Viviano as Damien. He did not do much work in TV or film. He appeared in The Cosby Mysteries, a show I didn't even know existed. Oh, yeah. That, oh, man, that thing sucks. It was like Murder <laughs> She Wrote with Bill Cosby. <laughs> the Jitters and one episode of Law and Order. Yeah, this guy sucks, man. Hey, he's got like a really punchable face. Yes. And um, I do not like him. So him being a bad guy, you know, good casting. Yes. Well, I mean, he's got the right look. Yeah. You know, the big hair. Uh, he, he, that's what it was hired for. He had the correct look. 
Oh, hell no, because like that that hair's a wig. Well, don't go spoiling too much now. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this is also the film debut of Vincent Pastor, best known for playing Salvatore Big Pussy Bompensiero in The Sopranos. Also, Old Uncle Pussy, man. Yeah, also appeared in Gotti, Carlito's Way, Wu-Tang, and American Saga, Blue Bloods, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, General Hospital, and Law and Order. If you need a mafioso, this is your guy. Yeah, he's like one of my favorite actors, especially like in The Sopranos. Yeah. It's just great, great screen presence every time he's on there. Yeah, and I mean, this is where he started. This is his very first film credit. So, you know, you get that. It's only one scene, and it's a great scene. For this movie, it's a great scene. Oh, hell yeah. It's, 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 especially, it's like the part of the movie where you like, it starts to draw you in. Yes. Yes, it does. So we start with the New York skyline and a jazzy saxophone because you can't show a New York skyline without a jazzy saxophone. It's a rule. Yes, yeah, the rules, man. We get shots of people on the street. And monsters on stage playing rock music in front of screaming fans. There's a man outside the auditorium watching through a window in the door. As an old man with a pair of cops shows up and they're here to shut this thing down. Well, the man turns around and he looks kind of dazed and starts screaming no as they drag him away. The old guy opens up the doors to the auditorium and is immediately overrun by zombie monster looking things and we get our opening credits against a backdrop of a couple of lamborghinis driving through a small town oh my god <laughs> you know what i thought was cool here and they only do it this one time and it doesn't really make sense when they do it but it's a nice effect they get an overhead shot of these lamborghinis driving through this tiny town downtown area and these cartoon vines just crawl across the road as the cars drive over. Yeah. That yeah, was kind of cute. The, I liked it. And then you get the title card, which looks like, I don't know, like every like heavy metal album of that like this yeah. time period. It's yeah. great. It looks like a Trapper Keeper or something. <laughs> well, Damien gets out of one of the cars and signals the people in the other car to get out. And they start putting up posters on light poles. It's a very dramatic punk rock show poster squad. Yeah. And Lambos. <laughs> yes, exactly. Next morning at the Miller house, Janie's mom is giving her grief about being late for school and got to eat something before you go. And what the heck is this? She's got an album from a band called Black Roses. And of course, her mom hates that idea completely. Her friend Tina shows up and they head off to school at Tony's house. Tony is still asleep and his mom is waking him up. He's going to be late for school. We see Johnny <laughs> at his house. He comes out of his room and his dad is reading the paper and completely ignoring him. And it looks like Johnny's kind of used to this and really hates it. <laughs> I want to point out like all these uh, high schoolers are in their late 20s. All of them, yes. All of them, yeah. You know, as an actor, you can make more money if you look younger than you are. They didn't yeah. hire those people. 
Yeah, the, those people would kick this movie's ass. Uh, <laughs> they went and they got like whoever was in the local community theater and just dressed them up like high schoolers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of these folks, like Julie, have a single acting credit and that's it. Uh, Julie and her stepdad are arguing about her mom's job. Julie has the typical creepy stepdad who tells her, uh, I haven't heard any complaints from your mom lately. Apparently, he he won't get a job, so she has to to work as a maid. Like, she works 24 hours a day because of this guy. Yes. So you never see her mom at all. Right. Let me see a shot of the kids entering the high school while more Black Roses posters are being put up. In Mr. Morehouse's literature class, they are discussing Walt Whitman, of course. Because they're always yeah. discussing Walt Whitman in every literature class ever. Yes. <laughs> well, Mr. Morehouse asked Johnny what he thinks Walt Whitman was trying to say about evil. And Johnny delivers a monologue about how their parents are trying to keep them from seeing the Black Roses concert. Mr. Morehouse explains that their parents are likely just afraid of change because there has never, ever, ever been a rock concert in Mill Basin. Are we watching Footloose here, Jesse? <laughs> you know, it could have been inspired by Footloose. but yeah, It could it's... have been. <laughs> well, the bell rings and the kids all start to file out. Johnny is in the doorway waiting for Julie, but Julie is at Mr. Morehouse's desk waiting to talk to him. That sucks for Johnny. <laughs> Back at home that evening, Johnny is uh, talking to his dad. His dad is still reading the newspaper. Every single time you see his dad, he's holding a newspaper. Yeah. His dad is telling him about how Janie's dad came into the barber shop today to get his hair cut and was talking about the Black Roses concert and all the parents are in an uproar about it. Johnny just responds that, well, Janie's dad bought him tickets. Well, that's all that. Johnny's dad needs to hear and he decides it's okay go ahead you go to that concert if Janie's dad approves then who am I to say no next we see the parents committee meeting and a, a religious woman claiming that the black roses are disciples of the devil and they are in town to steal their children so apparently this really popular rock band has booked five consecutive nights playing in the high school auditorium because that really happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yes uh, also i want to point out this uh this like things in in the gym and stuff and yeah. they got these two flags behind this lady giving a speech and one's the canadian flag and one's the flag of the united states yes what, what, what what's going on with there what's that <laughs> i i um Maybe they're in they're in New York, so I don't know Niagara Falls. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. I just I thought that was just kind of sloppy. <laughs> that well, we gotta make sure we represent everybody who actually worked on the film. I guess. I guess, yeah. But yeah, yeah like she's like kind of. I'm not. She don't look exactly like Nancy Reagan, but pretty damn close, you know. And she's up there giving everybody the speech, you know. And she hand holds up the the album cover you know and you know she's going to her tirade and shit yeah definitely nancy reagan inspired yeah 
But then, and this is my favorite part. This is where I start like you know giggling and shit. The mayor gets up and gives his speech. Yes, and starts defending rock and roll. Yeah, mayor. Mayor Farnsworth interrupts and he tries to calm everybody down. He even pulls Mr. Morehouse into the conversation, but Matt Matt's not ready for that. He plays along anyway. He starts reminding people of how their parents hated the music they liked. Remember when you started listening to Chuck Berry, how your parents responded there? And Bob. And what about the Beatles? <laughs> and what about the Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> Always throw the Beatles up there, man. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them. Remember a couple years ago when your son decided to grow his hair long? He wasn't evil, was he? They tried to run him out of town. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, he says, these concerts have already been approved by the school board. They booked a week of shows in the school auditorium. Hey, they already approved it. My hands are tied. What am I supposed to do? Bureaucracy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Next, Julie and Johnny are out on the town walking down the sidewalk really fast. Julie's mad, and Johnny's super hyper, and he wants to hang off of every light pole he sees. Yeah. It's almost like uh, singing in the rain. Uh, Yeah. But no rain and no music. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a Broadway thing, you know, where you you gotta hang off the light pole every time he sees a light pole. If you see a, a railing, gotta jump up on the railing. It's like if you see a stop sign. You got to jump up, hit the stop sign with your hand. Exactly. Yeah. It's like he ate a dozen Kit Kat bars and washed them down with five Red Bulls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny gives Julie some crap about being sweet on Mr. Morehouse. And she says that they're just friends. Besides, Mr. Morehouse is dating the mayor's daughter, Priscilla. Johnny wants Julie to go out with him. She's that's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't know why she's with him right now. Apparently, he went over to her house, said, hey, you want to go somewhere? She said, yes, I do. And I suppose you can come. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. Well, Johnny says the Black Roses have never played outside the studio before. And he's frustrated that the parents committee wants to cancel the shows. He decides he's going to show them he's going to paint the town red, literally. So he hops the fence (laughs) and goes to break into a building supply store and steal a can of red paint. Now, we should say that downtown uh, after dark in this place is like every small town downtown after dark. There are no people around and everything is closed. They roll the sidewalks up at 730. Yeah, it's just like one main street. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Mr. Morehouse just happens to be walking around downtown looking in the windows of all these stores that are closed. And he hears something because, well, Johnny has come back from the paint shop and he's got a can of red paint. We know it's a can of red paint because they spilled red paint all down the side of it. (laughs) And he sets it down on the sidewalk and he pries the lid off with his pocket knife. And when he lays the lid down on the sidewalk, it goes clank. And that gets Matt Morehouse's attention. 
He goes to investigate. Julie tells Johnny, hey, somebody's coming. They get scared and run off. Well, Matt finds the can of paint sitting there and Johnny's pocket knife. Then he sees a shadowy figure walking out of the fog in the alley across the street coming towards him. And then it just kind of disappears. Well, Matt decides that's weird. So he leaves. And as soon as he leaves, the red paint in the can bursts into flames. Now, that's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's truly weird. Yeah. Next day at school, Mr. Morehouse is asking Johnny what Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote about self-reliance. He keeps calling on Johnny because Johnny's a bullshitter. Yeah. He, He does not know the answers to the questions that he's being asked, but he will make some stuff up on the spot. No problem. Literally Johnny on the spot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if I was a teacher and I had a student that could bullshit like that, I'd be calling on him for every single question just because it was so entertaining. <laughs> and while they're talking about self-reliance, Mr. Morehouse standing in front of Johnny, he takes Johnny's pocket knife out of his pocket and hands it to him. Now, the thing about this class is as soon as Mr. Morehouse starts talking, the bell rings and class is over every single time we're in this class. Yeah, it's saved by the bell kind of, I don't know, like, it's like they cut in every time and he goes, it's like the end of class and he gets everybody to move their seat into a circle and they have like a little discussion or something. Right. Just so Johnny can deliver his monologue, you know, and then (laughs) he's about to like, you know, bring out the moral of the story or something the teacher is. And then, bam, yeah, bell hits. And it's like, all right, get the fuck out of here. Right. So the class ends, the students file out. Johnny tells uh, Morehouse that his mom left his dad because his dad was afraid to take a chance. And that's not going to happen to him. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, he leaves. Johnny's out in the hallway and Julie comes up to him tells him that Mr. Morehouse knows exactly what they did because he told her that he knows and he's not going to go to the police. Well, Tony and his friends want Johnny to go with them, so he does. And he leaves Julie back against the locker, sulking. I don't know what she's sulking for. She doesn't want to go out with Johnny anyway. Yeah. That night at the school auditorium, the kids are waiting for the show to start. Mr. Morehouse, Mayor Farnsworth, and several of the parents' committee are there, too. The band takes the stage with Damien, dressed like Bruce Cockburn in the video for If I Had a Rocket Launcher. (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube it. It's a cheesy song. It's a super cheesy video. And this is what the guy's wearing, too. He's just all in black, wearing a light trench coat over it. Kind of reminded me of Winger. <laughs> the hair does, yeah. That, and it's like, it, yeah, it's like kind of like, I don't know, like a modern day cowboy, but like all clean cut and stuff. It, like, I don't know. It's just, it screams lameness, you know? It's like, whoa, 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 what am I watching? I thought this was like the most dark, brutal, heavy metal band ever, you know, to come out of, you know, whatever. And yeah. like, nah, it's like air supply up there on stage or something. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Well, he tosses a uh, black rose to Julie and sings a a very tame, soft rock song about his hometown. 
Well, Mayor Farnsworth says, look, we were all upset over nothing. I'm getting out of here. And he turns to Mr. Morehouse and says, hey, you want to go get a drink? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. Why not? All the parents leave with him. And as soon as they are gone, the lights go out. And when they come back up, all the nice, clean clothes are gone. Everybody's dressed in their uh, best S&M leatherwear. Yeah, I was going to go. Yeah, that's, that's highly appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally not appropriate in front of these uh, teenagers in a gymnasium. But yeah, describing it is totally what they're going for. Yeah. And the music stops sounding so much like air supply and starts to sound a little bit like Night Ranger. Oh, yeah. It's like you went over one more dial on the classic rock <laughs> radio. Scale. Like... <laughs> the next day in class, the students are exhausted or extremely bored, and it's hard to tell which. There's an exchange between Mr. Morehouse and Tony about what Walt Whitman would have thought about how Mr. Morehouse has lived his life. After the class, Morehouse and Julie talk. She's going back to see Black Roses again tonight because, well, all of their real fans got free tickets to all of the shows. Morehouse and the school psychologist are talking about the kids being obsessed with Black Roses while they play chess. The pr this guy can't get anybody's name right either. It's kind of funny. He calls the band Burnt Roses uh, at one point. Uh, he gets another name right, wrong, too, but I can't remember what that was. Outside, the band are giving away albums, and Tony gets one of them, but somebody snatches it out of his hands. So a fight ensues right there in their small town where nothing bad has ever happened and not even the police carry guns. Like Mayberry or some shit. Right. It is a lot like Mayberry. <laughs> in the auditorium, uh, Mr. Morehouse is talking with the Black Roses stage manager or road manager. It turns out that they are in Mill Basin to practice playing in front of an audience because they've only ever played in the studio before. He invites. Yeah, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, we saw him playing but in front of an audience at the very beginning of the movie. I know, right? And it's like, I mean, all right. I hate to unravel the movie like we're not even that much into it, but like sitting that other town, like there was like probably a news thing about that attack and shit. Shouldn't like that. you would think. Yeah. I mean, it's like only like next town over. So the next big city over. So it's like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you continue. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, I agree with you completely, because I think what happened here is they did a Tarantino thing where they start at the ending. But they never put the six months earlier on the screen, you know? So we don't really understand that that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just a bad movie. Yeah. But uh, we know this movie's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, their manager invites Matt to the show and offers to make him a rock star. And it turns out that he knows that Matt is dating the mayor's daughter, Priscilla. And Matt says, well, how, how, where do you get your information from? And he says, oh, I've known your soul for a long time. And it's just a little throwaway line, but it, you know, it's actually supposed to be a plot point, but it's delivered in a way that it's so easy to ignore. Well, 
Mr. Morehouse leaves the auditorium, and as he does, he bumps into Julie, who is coming in. Cut to Tony at home listening to his Black Roses album and working out with dumbbells. His dad wants him to help his mother with the dishes, and he gives him some crap about wearing an earring. Tells him that there are only two kinds of guys who wear an earring, pirates and homosexuals. And since there isn't a ship in their driveway, what does that say about him? Because it was the 80s. Yeah, super 80s, late 80s, like the <laughs> hardest part of the 80s. Well, he leaves, so his dad turns off the stereo, and he sits down uh, to do something, and the stereo turns itself back on. He turns Uh-oh. it off again, and it immediately comes back on. When he lifts up the cover on the turntable, the record is all bubbly, and he reaches out to touch it, and something drips on his hand, and he look up at the speaker on the wall, and it's all pulsing video drone style. Nice. Yeah. That was a messed up movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I do too, but it was messed up. Yeah, well, Cronenberg, man. You know, exactly. Cronenberg, <laughs> <laughs> another great Canadian film auteur, you know. There we go. Well, as we look at the speaker, the center of the speaker cone pops away, and this little toothy monster, cute little thing jumps out of the speaker and attacks Tony's dad. Tony's dad's name in the credits is Tony's dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know, it's like a a cute little hand puppet, but with like really sharp fangs. Really huge, really sharp fangs. Yeah. Yeah. Big teeth are the thing in this movie. Well, they wrestle around on the floor and Tony's dad almost gets away, but the monster catches him and just chomps his whole face. And apparently there's a vacuum cleaner hose attaching this monster to the inside of the speaker. And it just pulls Tony's dad right into the speaker and he's gone. First kill of the movie. No, it's not that killed the old guy in the beginning. Second kill of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) that was nice (laughs) at matt morehouse's house he puts a cassette on to listen to some mozart while he relaxes with a drink he sits down in a chair and falls asleep cut to the black roses concert where the crowd is chanting damien um the band found a smoke machine for this second show And as they play, some of the crowd get turned into weird zombie corpse things. Oh, man, I love that. That whole scene. The special makeup effects in that scene is great. Yeah. They found a way to make a cheap rubber mask not look like a cheap rubber mask. Yeah. But it's it's just awesome. Yeah. I've seen it so many times spliced into stuff on YouTube. Right. Like, it'll just show the crowd shots and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and it makes you like this movie more. But, like, it's a really crappy movie. But just, yeah, the special makeup effects. Insane. Right. Yeah, I like the makeup effects in this. The creature effects were awesome. And we will get to see plenty more monsters. The big bad <laughs> at the end was, was kind of good. Yeah. Back at his house, Matt Morehouse wakes up when he hears glass break. Outside, somebody broke his car window and put a Black Roses poster on it. Now, (laughs) out in the street, like 
30 feet from his car stands Tony and Johnny just watching, but he doesn't see them. Also, they're like under a streetlight. Yes, yes, they are. (laughs) But he totally does not see them. He gets in his car and pulls out of his driveway. Tony and Johnny, they get in Tony's car and Mr. Morehouse just drives right past them. Didn't even know they were there. Mm-hmm. Morehouse is driving through the streets of town and everywhere he goes, people are either fighting, robbing somebody or making out this whole town. And we said this before we started recording this. This whole town has turned into a scene from Reefer Madness. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird, like because you got that first night and it's like. Kids get a paint can. Ooh, big wolf. They spill some paint, you know, in a parking lot. You know, uh, now it's like, yeah, no, it's like uh, everybody's dressed in black, tearing up the street, tearing up each other, sexual assault. Everything's just like fucking wrong. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, I don't know. I wish they, they played a, a town without pity in that scene. But uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I guess we couldn't get the music for that one. Well, Matt Morehouse has gone to the mayor's house to see him and his daughter Priscilla is there. Remember, Matt and Priscilla are dating, right? Well, maybe not. I I guess. Because she's not happy to see him, apparently, as a girl who grew up with privilege. She is accustomed to certain things. And one of those things to which she is accustomed is a man with ambition, not someone who wants to teach inbred children, as she calls them. Damn. Yeah. So like, I love the marriage, but his daughter's a bitch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's also jealous of Julie. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you know, when a grown she, woman yeah, yeah, is yeah. jealous of a child, there's a problem. Yeah. That argument just escalates and Matt storms out of the house. Meanwhile, Tony drops Johnny off at home. His dad still reading the newspaper. Johnny heads into his room, turns on a Black Roses album, climbs into bed and lights a cigarette. While he's smoking the cigarette, he sees a shadow on the wall. It's the female member of Black Roses naked and in his room. And she climbs into his bed and they have sex. Nice. Yeah, you always have to have like a female bass player if you're like some kind of satanic rock band. That's the rule. Yes, yes. Every metal band has to have one female player and she has to be a bass player. That's the cut to a little boy playing with action figures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And doing some great dialogue. Some of the best dialogue in the movie. <laughs> in the movie, yeah. That kid is going places. Yeah. Uh, it's probably an asylum, but yeah, he's going places. <laughs> well, he's doing the voices of Batman and some super villain, and he tosses Batman into the fireplace and he says, You too, <laughs> Aquaman, into the fire with you. <laughs> and he it's just you, tosses Aquaman, him. you suck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it's uh, the bad guy is uh, Scare Glow. Oh, okay. Man guy. It's like a, a, a you know, it's kind of cool because it's like a skull and he's a wizard and shit. 
But uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and he just tossed his bag in and knocked him in the fire. Just tossed him in the fireplace. And his, dad, his dad's like, "What are you doing? What his, the fuck?" His dad's going, "What? I didn't know you were still awake. You were sitting at my feet talking, and I did not know you were there because I'm an irresponsible parent." <laughs> He asked him, you know, why'd you throw I, those I in the fireplace? Hunk of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> why'd you throw them in the fireplace? The kid says those were the bad guys. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to go to bed. He starts to say he sends the kid off to bed. That's when Janie and her friend Tina come in. Tina is locked out of her house, she says. And she wants to stay there until her parents get home. So Mr. Miller decides, okay, I guess we can play gin. Because who plays gin anymore? Canadians. Canadians do. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what she's like. They came back from the uh, from the high school concert, right? Right. And she's like, oh, my parents are playing gin and they haven't came home yet. And I'm locked out of my house. Yep. <laughs> or no, the other one's like, your mom's playing gin still. And it's like, oh, is it cool if, you know, so and so stays? I don't know. It's, it's some elaborate, stupid story. Yeah. It's full of bullshit. Yeah. Outside, Tony is doing a burnout and hitting trash cans, just swerving all over the road to hit some trash cans. When he gets home, his mom starts griping at him. You've been out too late. You went to that concert. I told you I didn't want you to go to that concert. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tony's had enough. So he starts the car back up, puts it in gear, and backs into her at, at high speed, uh -huh. knocking her out into the street and killing her. I, I hate to say, you know, but I actually laughed out loud when he hit his mom. Oh, it, I did it, too. The timing, it was funny as shit. Yeah, it was like, what? <laughs> and i said i said to myself um, when he put that car in gear i said to myself he's gonna hit her and she's gonna go flying through the air and then he hit her yeah and she went flying through the air <laughs> oh my god like i said like it's like so exaggerated like where it's like for madness was like oh this is so evil and shit and right. it's like i gotta give it to they're kind of right on this one like the, the the band's a bunch of demons you know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the pta was right on this one i hate to say it it's coming from me you know yeah yeah back at the millers Janie's dad is perving on her friend tina Janie sees it and she's kind of amused so she's going to go to bed and leave Tina and her dad there playing gin. Mr. Miller wants to call Tina's parents and see if her friend, see if they're home yet. But Tina's got a better idea. They should play strip gin. That's not a thing, is it? I don't know. But Mr. Miller, the adult, heard a teenager say, let's play a strip card game and said, eh, I guess. Come on. God, oh my God. <laughs> Back at Johnny's house, Johnny gets out of bed and the female band member immediately disappears. He walks out into the hallway and opens up a drawer and takes out a starter pistol. Yeah. 
then walks into the living room where his dad still reading the newspaper. He looks at his dad. His dad looks up to him. He's got the gun pointed at his dad's head. His dad looks at him and says, what are you doing? And Johnny says, I love you, dad, and shoots him in the head three times. Oh, man. Back at the Millers, Tina appears to be losing strip gin on purpose. She loses the next round, stands up, takes off her bra, climbs in Mr. Miller's lap and starts kissing him on the neck, causing him to have a heart attack and drop dead on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I hate every time one of these parents die, I laugh out loud. Oh, yeah. It's not because I'm sick or anything. It's just the 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 way they portray it is like they're so very deep. dumb deaths. Yeah, <laughs> the tone of this movie is all off, man. Like <laughs> it'd be here one minute, it's serious, like with his dude shooting his dad, and then like it'd be goofy as hell, like the the heart attack or the the mom out in the street. It's yeah. like it's all over the place. It, like you, it, you start feeling like, oh, this is fucked up. This is kind of sick. And then some cartoony happens. You're like, <laughs> a, guy gets, a guy got pulled through a damn speaker <laughs> by a vacuum cleaner hose. By a vacuum cleaner hose. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, the next day in Mr. Morehouse's literature class, they're having a discussion of the American transcendentalists. Janie wants to know why they can't talk about a real poet, Damien. Oh, God. <laughs> well, he tries to give them an assignment to keep them busy, but they, they're chanting Damien so loud they're drowning him out. So he ends up leaving the class and calling the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> he wants the mayor to help him do something about what's going on in town that these kids are all turning into hoodlums. And it's because of rock and roll. Now I gotta stop this damn loud music. It is footloose. It is footloose, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Morehouse thinks the band is controlling the kids' minds, and he wants uh, he wants Mayor Farnsworth to go to the concert that night with him. The mayor thinks, of course, that he's getting carried away because everybody who's upset is getting carried away. He thinks that uh, Matt just needs to get back together with Priscilla and that'll make everything all right. Kids are killing their parents. They're fighting in the street. Crime is running rampant. Yeah, you know, if you just make up with your girlfriend, that should fix it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how this guy keeps on getting elected. (laughs) I I don't know, because only three people vote and he's paid them all. You're you're right. Yeah, I know. Cut to Janie talking to the school psychologist about her dad dying. This guy keeps, every time she asks him for for advice, and he peeks into this book on his shelf, and he doesn't actually read anything. He just lifts the cover up a little bit and lets it back down and then says something. He's reading his lines. That's what he's doing. (laughs) I think you're right. He asked how her father's death made her feel, and she says she feels like opening a window and screaming, may I? And he says, sure, let me just go over here and open this window for you. And as soon as he does, (laughs) Janie turns into a big toothed monster and shoves him out the window, killing him. It's kind of a funny kill. He goes screaming out the window, lands in the bed of a pickup truck. (laughs) <laughs> another 
That happened in uh, what you gonna call it? Uh, the Toxic Avenger. Yes. Not as cool as when it happened in the Toxic Avenger, but yeah, no, nah, it, it is funny. <laughs> Matt Morehouse is in the library researching the occult and witchcraft when he's surprised by Julie. Also, Johnny is standing over by the bookshelves watching all of it. Being extremely creepy for a 29-year-old in high school. Extremely creepy, yes. But uh, she she tells Matt that she's going to the concert, and Matt says, with Johnny? And well, No, of course not with Johnny. I don't care anything about Johnny. She is flirting hard with this teacher, trying to convince him to go to the concert with her. And he likes her, but she wants more than just he likes her. He's not going to give her that, though, so Julie leaves and Johnny follows. At the concert, Damien's giving a speech in um, the super deep monster voice. Oh, God. Yeah. That, I, like when he's like doing that, when he's putting a spell on the kids and shit, they do this voice uh, enhancer thing. Yeah. And then like, it's just uh, cheesy as fuck, man. Yep. Yeah. And every time this guy's standing on the stage, he's just got his arms out to the sides. Whether he's coming on the stage or he's singing a song or he's casting a spell on the kids or turning into a monster himself. Oops, wasn't supposed to tell you that part. Guess what? (laughs) He's almost to the point where he's about to do like spirit fingers or some shit. Yeah, you're right. Damien's telling him that they are all one now. And then he turns to the camera. His eyes have gone completely white. And he says, that was a good. Yes, it was. He looks at the camera and he says, let's make Blood City. (laughs) (laughs) Julie is in her bedroom and she has a picture of Damien on the mirror in her room. So she stands in front of the mirror, pulls her top down. And fondles herself for a while. Yeah, yeah, that was extremely awkward. Uh, Very gratuitous. I I did it. Yeah, uh, you know, in these horror movies, you know, sex sells. So that's putting asses in the seat. Oh yeah, but it it's just so weird and stuff. There's no context at all. Just stands in front of the mirror and fondles her breasts. Then she pulls her top back up walks out into the living room and starts flirting with her deadbeat stepdad. He's drinking beer and watching TV, so she starts massaging his shoulders and flirting with him. And he says, she she takes her hands off his shoulders and said, don't stop now. You know what to do. And she says, you're right. I do know what to do. And she grabs this giant stone ashtray and just beats his, bashes his head in with that's a really good crafted ashtray. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Next morning, Matt wakes up in the library. It's 10 o'clock. He missed the concert by about 10 hours. So he drives over to Julie's house. Julie's not there, but her mom is. She is distraught and waiting, waiting for the police because her husband is dead in the middle of the living room floor. Well, Matt's going to go find Julie. But for some reason, he drives over to Priscilla's house. Priscilla also is not home. Priscilla's out playing tennis. So we cut to her at the tennis court. She's just leaving the tennis court, by the way. 
She goes to her car and pulls a jacket out of the trunk. It's 1988, so the sleeves get pushed up to her elbows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She gets in the car, and when she looks in the mirror, Julie is in the back seat of the car. She recognizes Julie as the teacher's pet. So Julie cuts Priscilla's throat. I gotta say, wasn't sad to see Priscilla die. (laughs) Matt shows up at Priscilla's house, but she isn't home because Julie just cut her throat. Uh, Then he speeds off to his own house. When he gets inside the house, his phone rings. It's Mayor Farnsworth. Priscilla's car caught on fire and she's dead. What? Yeah. Apparently, her car caught on fire. She wasn't able to get out and she burned to death in the car. Then there's a knock at the door. It's Julie. And she tells Matt that she brought him a present herself. She professes her love for him. She tells him that she's taking care of everything and they can be together forever and starts kissing him. And when she pushes, when he pushes her away, she strips. So if you don't want me when you're kissing me, when I'm kissing you, how about when I'm naked? Julie starts to go down on him and that's when he slaps her. So Julie turns into a monster with huge fangs. And starts glowing bright pink. The, <laughs> the little monster claw animation, hand animation, was really good in that one, too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was really 80s retro-ish. Yeah, kind of like uh, an American werewolf in London. Yeah, but then like with like a bunch of pink glitter sprinkled all over. <laughs> it is a very slow transformation, and, and Mr. Morehouse is watching horrified. When the transformation is complete, you remember that movie Freaks? Yeah. You remember the the pinhead in the movie? Yeah. That's what this monster reminded me of. Well, that Muppet Muppet was reused or is is reused from Rock and Roll Nightmare. Okay. It was a demon puppet that was used in that movie. And that movie's uh, a trip. That, that movie makes this movie... Look like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that one has Thor Johnson in it, or uh, was it Thor Mickelson? It, okay. it was like a Canadian rock star guy. Okay. And um, oh man, that movie's a head trip. Is I ain't even get into that. We'll we'll cover that later. But yeah, that's a <laughs> that that uh that puppet is is straight up from that movie. They might have changed it a little bit, but yeah, it's. It's like the goopiest Muppet because they just built it from the torso up. Right. So they have to like kind of hide it behind a counter and shit where, you know, their their fight is going on and stuff. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's, it's just it's an awkward Muppet fight. It really is. So Matt starts beating the monster with a tennis racket the way you do when a monster with giant fangs attack. Especially in the kitchen. <laughs> Especially in the kitchen. You grab your kitchen tennis racket and you start wailing. That doesn't work, so he punches it. That also doesn't work, and it chases him through the house. In the kitchen, he breaks the leg off a stool and stabs the monster in the chest, killing it. The monster does not turn back into Julie. Apparently, that's a one-way trip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Morehouse goes to the gas station to buy a can of gas and several road flares, the way you do. I love that scene. It, the quick cuts, 
he, <laughs> he like he pulls into the gas station like fast as fuck, right? Right. And at this point, he's kind of dressed like Marty McFly. He's got like an orange uh, vest on, right? You know, and he pulls in, and it, it shows him quick cut. Fills up the gas tank to his car. Fills up the gas tank that he bought from the thing. Uh, has a fistful of flares and just shoves a wad of cash in the uh, gas station attendant's hand because they yeah. had those back. <laughs> just peels rubber out of the fucking parking lot. <laughs> These days, that kind of behavior, someone's going to call the cops on you or something. You know, <laughs> you can't do that shit no more. Right. But in the 80s, I guess it's like par for the course or something. I don't know. I guess. Well, then he heads to the school. He wraps up the gas can and the road flares in a jacket so that they can't be seen and sneaks into the school to get to the final Black Roses concert. Inside the auditorium, Damien is telling the students to worship him as their master. They are all soldiers of death now. Morehouse sneaks past him. No need to sneak. They're not paying any attention to him at all. Yeah, uh, about that. All right. So, like, everybody in the, in the stadium, or I think I keep on saying stadium, everybody in the high school theater, they're all dressed in, like, you know, metalheads, quote, unquote. You can't see me do air quotes. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's this black T-shirt and jeans. Right. Morehouse comes in with, like I said, an orange vest on, which <laughs> like a hunter's vest. And he's got like the jacket over the gas can. You didn't need that, buddy, because you're wearing an orange vest and a sea of black. <laughs> also, it's like a high school gymnasium slash like auditorium or whatever. It's like right. seating is like maybe, maybe. 300 people <laughs> yeah so it's it's like the, you could they could see you clearly go on the side aisle up to the stage with your gas can yeah exactly but nobody's paying any attention to him no they're all enthralled he walks right up to the stage and starts splashing gasoline onto the stage Nobody notices. <laughs> Nobody is so fucking. He's not even like. He's not even crouched down at this point. He's just like walking. Like, yeah. Oh god. Well, I mean, he kind of crawled up there to the stage on his side, kind of like Paul Blart mall, mall cop. Yeah, when he gets like <laughs> right up to the corner of the stage, he did. But yeah. like before that, he's just like walking. <laughs> oh god, this movie. Well, Damien finally sees him. And tells the students to get him. Well, the band goes after him. And they pull him up onto the stage. He tells Matt the kids are his now. He also reaches down and pulls Janie out of the crowd and up onto the stage for some reason. Yeah. Also, like, while the guy sneaks up and he's pouring gas on, he's they're doing that voice box thing. Yeah. And immediately when he sees him pouring gas on the stage... The voice box thing just cuts off and it, and it goes, and back it's to his like, regular voice, yeah. yeah and it's like, get him, uh-huh. and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> that doesn't sound scary at all. Like a minute ago, you're like, you know, talking in tongues or whatever, and then now it's like, yeah, get him. <laughs> Mr. Morehouse demands that Damien tell him, What did you do to my students? Well, Damien says, They're my kids now, and he pulls off. His wig revealing his bald head and turns into a monster as the kids chant blood. Yeah. Oh, and this man. is a weird uh, lizard kind of monster. Yeah. 
Uh, it kind of looks like Bosk from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't know, like, the arm extensions that they used on him don't fit. Like, the scale's off a little bit. Like, yeah. his arms are too long. Like, something's just off on it, you know? He's supposed to be menacing, but he's got a his head and neck kind of look like Mr. Burns. Yeah. So he's not the really menacing. The craftsmanship on it is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yes. It is an amazing rubber suit. It's a rubber but suit, though. Compared, yeah, it's completely a guy in a rubber suit. It's like a Godzilla thing. But, like, compared to the rest of the effects in the movie, it, yeah, I mean, it's like, you could have done better. It, it's kind of like the puppet fight in the kitchen earlier. It looks like that, but, like, bulked up. Right. You know. Well, the rest of the band turns into monsters, too, and there is a giant fist fight. Matt uses... <laughs> he picks up the mallet, the felt mallet for the gong and starts hitting Damien Monster in the gut with it. Like whack-a-mole or some shit. <laughs> and and it works surprisingly yeah surprisingly uh heavy metal demons are soft as fuck and you can just <laughs> eat them with a mallet well as the damien monster knocks matt around he manages to grab one of the road flares he pulls Janie off the stage and then lights the flare and sets the damien monster on fire the kids all break out of them, whatever spell was holding them, and start to panic, running out of the school. The mayor is out there directing the fire department the way a mayor does. Oh, yeah. He says some funny-ass <laughs> line, too. Yeah, just let the school burn. Just save all the kids. Kids, yeah. <laughs> the kids oh, are coming man, out. Johnny yells, what do you mean? Where's my dad? You know, the, the yeah, dad oh, man, it's like they just finally wake up out of the trance and like all the bad shit that they've done is like starting to hit them. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the fire, the, the kids are all filing out and then out of a different door comes Tony with his arm on fire yelling, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> He's cussing out his arm on fire. Yes. It, that, yes. That was, it, it looks like it's from another movie and they just like it like it does because there were all these people on the steps of the school and then the steps of the school are completely cleared and here comes this one guy with his arm on fire and it, like you could totally tell it's like they lift the guy's arm on fire edit it into the movie and it, like it starts to hurt the guy and he just starts cussing out his arm he's not even <laughs> mad about the demon he's, Oh, you son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! And then he lays on the ground and starts falling around. It's funny as fuck. <laughs> well, next we see Matt and the mayor. They are at home together watching the news six months later. Black Roses have booked a five-night sold-out show in Madison Square Garden. Okay. Then the screen goes black. There's a picture of Damien, and Damien's monster voice says, Evil, and sinister <laughs> laughter, and roll credits. Yeah. Oh, man. Because I can't figure out how to end this damn thing. Let's just do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sorry I put you through that, Mike. <laughs> this is our uh, 41st movie that we've, that we've oh, yeah. done together. And there have been a couple that were worse than this. 
the last episode was kind of like I'm sorry about that too, but this yeah. one was like yeah. Also, you had to go through like a different movie. Right, right. Yeah, I went wrong. <laughs> yes, I've watched a movie that was much worse than this before I realized this is what I should have been watching. So <laughs> Hurdles keep on coming, man. <laughs> this was fun, actually. Talking about it was was more fun than watching it. This is one of those movies that you want to sit through it just so you can say with other people who also sat through it, man, I can't believe we watched that shit. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, this movie is totally made for a group viewing. like So you can all experience together. Yes. It's like just insanity going on. And then you're like, well, we did that. We bonded <laughs> over that. And it's no surprise at all that Lloyd Kaufman put his money down to distribute this movie because this is exactly oh, yeah. the kind of crap he would produce. It, it, it's weird. Is like it's a little bit more production valued than trauma stuff. Right. It totally fits in with it, like the trauma line of products. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when I was a little kid, you know, when I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old, this movie, like I saw it when I was like probably way too young. Yeah, most of the movies I was like way too young, but like it's stuck <laughs> with me since then, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, man, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was. All right, man. I think that's a podcast. Hell yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.